God's got a plan for your life, and it's for you to live who God has called you to be, not anybody else. It's great to see you today. Glad you're out with us. Want to welcome my home campus back in Whiteville, North Carolina. Let's give them a round this morning. We also want to welcome those who are joining us this morning online, wherever you are. Thought it was neat last night after the service. Miss Kim and Pastor Clay had text and said, hey, we're watching you all the way from Sydney, Australia. Isn't that amazing that they can do that? So we're encouraged with that today. Listen, I want to talk to you this morning about the subject, it's impossible. Now, I understand there's a lot of impossibilities in our life, right? I mean, I could probably name 2,002 things that's impossible that you can't do. I mean, for instance, you can't jump up and touch the moon, right? You can't run faster than a cheetah, right? I mean, you can't even fly to Mars, right? You can't do that stuff. You can't do these things. It's impossible to do that. And that's just three things. There's a thousand things that you and I can't do. But one thing that I'm thankful for today is a thing called grace. Because with grace, then we can do a lot of things in life that seems impossible, not by our strength, but by his strength and by his grace, we can conquer the impossibilities this morning. And so, you know, when I was younger uh, in, into the ministry, I had an older pastor tell me one time, he said, let me, let me give you a picture of what grace looks like. He says, it looks kind of like this. He says, imagine that, that you're going to be a high jumper. Can you all use your imaginations today? I know some of you already did. Okay, so anyway, use your imaginations today that we're high jumpers, right? And so he told me, he said, think about your maximum height that you can jump and clear is maybe six feet and six inches. That's definitely an imagination, isn't it, that I can jump and clear that. Stay with me, okay? So we're going we're gonna to do that. And he says, imagine on the day that you're going to go out and you've got to do your best that they decide to raise the bar to seven feet and seven inches, I'm like, wow, now I'm in trouble, right? He said, this is where grace comes in. As long as you do the best that you can do, you run as much as you can and give everything you've got to get there, then that's where God comes in. And what you can't do, God gets you over there. And I'm glad for that this morning because he does that in my life and he does that in your life this morning through his grace. And so I am thankful for grace today. You know, in uh, a couple months, there's 18 days in September that the 2016 Olympics are going to be happening down in, in Rio. And, and I like to watch the Olympics. I, mean, I don't know if you do, but I do. And one of my favorite parts of the Olympic is the track and field because I'm amazed at what some of those people do, how fast they can run, uh, how high they can jump. And, and one of my favorite events in there is the long jump. And so it's kind of like where, where there's a line out there, and, and so this guy gets back, and it's not just running and jumping. Man. These guys have techniques. They know how to kick their legs. They know how to lift off. And, but they run to this line, and they jump, and they see how far they can fly in the air, and then they land. There's a guy named Carl Lewis who, who did this for four consecutive Olympics. 1984 to 88 to 92 in 1996, this guy brought home the gold every Olympics in this thing called the long jump. He was able to run and jump 29 feet, one and a quarter inch. I know you had to say, yeah, that's kind of far. No, let me show you what that looks like. You think, no, I got, no, let me show you what that looks like. We're going to start about right here. 29 feet and a quarter inches. 
this man ran and jumped. That's huge, isn't it? We ain't there yet. Come on. You thought that was it? We still ain't there. 29 feet. We're going to have to build more stage. 29 feet, one and a quarter inch. Right there. Carl Lewis ran to a line, and he jumped into the air, and he flew this far, 29 feet, one and a quarter inches. That's incredible. A human did that. You got that yet? 29 feet, one and a quarter inches. Imagine it. Just take a look at this. 29 feet. He's running. He gets his run, and he's up. Still in the air. Still in the air. He's still up there, and he's still there, and then he lands. Boom. That's incredible, man. 29 feet, one and a quarter inch. See, I can feel this in the room already. I know what some of y'all are thinking, not the women because they're smarter than that. Some of you guys, man, I saw you lean up. Do that. (laughs) I can do that. I ran track in high school. (laughs) I can do that. I I did that in college. I can do that. No, you can't. (laughs) No, you can't. Wives, if you've got a long hallway at home, you better put some furniture in there because they're going to be running and jumping all afternoon. You can't. Listen, there's only two other people on the whole planet of the earth who jumped. And there's one guy who jumped, and, and he beat this record maybe by an inch. But then Mike Powell, in, in the track and field world competition in Tokyo, Japan, broke the world record. He jumped 29 feet, four and a quarter inches. And for 25 years, nobody has broke the record. Just for the record, it's impossible. And fellas, do it. <laughs> so get it out of your mind. Don't be tearing up the furniture. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so... You know, when I think about some of these impossibilities, that's one, that's impossible. I can't do it, you can't do it. Here's the second impossibility this morning. It's on the spiritual side. So you ready? It is impossible for you to have a relationship with the holy God, the creator of the universe, without knowing his son, Jesus Christ. You can't do it. It's impossible. I've been in ministry over 20 years now, and I've met people along the way. And I might say to them, how are you doing in your relationship? Me and God, we're good. You know, if something happens to me, God's got me covered. And I said, well, where's Jesus? Well, he's over there, but me and God, we got it, we got it. I'm telling you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. That's just the bottom. I'm going to give you the truth today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know God. You don't have a real... It's impossible for you to do that. And so today, that's where grace comes in. And I am so glad for grace that made a way that you and I could have a relationship with a holy God, not because there was anything we could do to get there, but it was by grace and by His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why you and I have a relationship with God today. And if you don't have one, here's the good news today. You don't have to leave here without it. Jesus is here today, and He wants to help you. In that relationship, God wants to have a relationship with you. And the only way that that is going to happen is through His Son, Jesus. You don't get anything else I say today. You know this. You will not make it into the kingdom because you're good enough. You'll not make it into the kingdom because you got a big fat bank account. 
You will not make it into the kingdom because your mama was the godliest person in the world. You will not make it into the kingdom unless you know Jesus Christ. You can't know his father. And that's the truth this morning. I just got to share that with you. And so Jesus has a plan, and he always had a plan. And so I want us to go all the way back to the beginning into Genesis chapter 2 and and just look at how everything began to unfold in Genesis chapter 2 as we start out. Beginning in verse number 4 of Genesis chapter 2, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created and when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge in good and evil. Go with me to verse 15 now. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from all of these trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge in good and evil. For when you eat, you will certainly die. And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So when you continue to read there in Genesis chapter 2, you will read that God reached down and he took the dust and the dirt of the ground and he began to form the animals out of it and he brought it to man. Read it, it's there. God brought it to man. And whatever man called it, that's what the name of the animal was. Did you know that Adam named all the animals on the earth? That's what the Bible says. Whatever he called it, that's what it was. But then it's happened. You know, we get to the end there, and and God looks around at all the animals that he he created, the birds of the air and the the wild beasts of the field. And he looked around, and he said, but none of these, none of these are suitable for my man, my jewel crown that I've created. So God put Adam into a deep sleep, the Bible says, and he took a rib from him. He created woman. He put them in the garden. Look at the last verse in chapter 2. This is pretty cool. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. God had created the perfect connection. God and man created in the garden to have a relationship, and they had no shame. The provision was there. Everything that they needed was there. Eat all you want. Don't worry about the lions and the tigers and the bears. Oh, no, don't worry about that. Man, I got you covered. You can walk among them. Eat what you want. Be happy. Have fellowship. Walk and talk with me. Man, God wanted that relationship. Walk and talk with me. But remember, don't eat. Don't eat of that tree of the knowledge and good and evil. Because when you eat of that, surely you will die. But we know when we go to the next chapter in Genesis chapter 3, we find out that the Bible says that the serpent was the most craftiest of the animals that God created, the Bible says. And he came to the woman, and he said, God really say you were going to die? Is that really what he said? 
He presented a fruit to her of whatever it was. Say apples, aren't they? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It's a fruit. He gave it to her. The Bible says it was pleasing to her eyes. It looked good. It was pleasing to eat. It tastes good. If I eat this, I'll have all the knowledge and wisdom. She ate it. She gave it to her husband. He ate it. Sin came in the world because they disobeyed the Lord. Listen, sin does something in my life, in your life, and it did it in their life. Sin separates you and I from God. When we're disobedient to God, then sin separates us from God. It takes us apart from, from where God's initial uh, relationship, where we wanted to be, when sin walks into our life, it brings separation. Here we are. It happened in the garden. Here's the good news. Man. I believe this with all my heart. God had a plan. I believe this, that day that he took that dirt and he formed that little clay man out of it and he looked down at it in his hands and he said, this man is going to fail me one day. I know he is. I know he is. And what he did, breathed into his mouth. He became a living being. He did exactly what God knew he was going to do. God had a plan to make a way that we could have that relationship back with God. The Bible says over in the book of Romans, if you go into the New Testament of your Bible, into the book of Romans, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you got the book of Acts and Romans. In chapter 6, verse 23 there, the Bible says this, that the wages of sin is what? Death. And the gift of God is what? Eternal life. And, and, and that's right, and it's through Christ Jesus. But let me talk about the wages of sin for a moment. I want you to understand this word wage because you may not have ever thought about it this way. You know, you may think that, well, God's a loving God and God's holy and, and God's kind and all this. But let me tell you something this morning. God is just, okay? God is just. And if you don't make it into the kingdom, it's not because God didn't want you to be there. It's because you're getting a payday for what you did. The wages of sin is death, and there's no other way around it. The wages of sin is death. A wage is something that you earn. When I was 14, 15 years old, I used to work for a farmer. And all through the summer, he'd come and pick me up. And, and, and I would go all across the hills of Blount County, Tennessee. And I'd grab hay. And we'd throw hay all day long. $2 an hour, man. How about that, huh? Yeah. And they want $15 to flip burgers now? What's up with that? And so all day long, man. We'd throw that hay. All week long, I would work because I was earning some wages. Because uh, I knew Friday was coming. And when Friday came, I would go to Mr. Smith's house, and I put my hand out. Because you know what? I had some wages coming to me that I had earned. He paid me. And the wages of sin is death. And when you end up separated from God, eternally from that, it's not because that's God's plan for you. That's not God's plan for you. That's because that's what you earned. You earn that. The wages of sin, don't miss this. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, man, that's eternal life. And when you have that, this is a gift. Catch this now. Wages we earn. Say that with me. Wages we earn. A gift, say that with me. A gift is given. Listen, you can't earn this. 
You can't buy this. You don't give yourself this. You don't give yourself gifts. Now, every once in a while, I just feel the spirit come over me and and say like I'm at Lowe's in the tool section. (laughs) Or maybe I'm at the gun show. And I see something that I really like out there. And I just feel it in my heart, man. If my wife was here, she would buy that for me. (laughs) So I get that gift. But the the gift of God is something that you can't buy. You can't earn. There's no, it's, it's free. Wages are earned. Gifts are given. Sin is what you get when you're separated from God. It's the wage. The gift of God is eternal life. It is through Jesus Christ. There's, there's no way around it. Go in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5. Paul writes some amazing stuff there that it really fires me up, man. It excites me about um, this, this thing of salvation. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 18, the Bible says this, that all of this is from God. All of what, Pastor Billy? What are you talking about? All of this. All of this, this eternal life, the gift of God is eternal life. All of this is from God. You know, one day there's going to be no more crying. One day there's going to be no more suffering. One more day there's going to be no more pain and sorrow. And the Bible says that God himself will wipe the tears from your eyes. All of this is a gift from God. The Bible says that all of this is a gift from God who reconciled us to him through Christ and gave you and I a ministry of reconciliation. All of this is a gift from God that that through his son, Jesus Christ, God reconciled us. That means he brought things back into balance. You see, God was here and man fell and he became here. And the only way that you and I can do that is through his son, Jesus Christ. That God, through his son, Jesus Christ, reconciled. It took the broken thing. Reconciled means to put back together. I was broken one day. You were broken one day. You may be broke today, but I got good news. There's somebody that wants to reconcile you. They want to bring you back together. And the Bible says that that God reconciled us. That's amazing. Through his son, Jesus Christ. So that you and I can become the righteousness of him. That you and I can can be who God has called us to be. And not only did he do that, but once you experience this reconciliation, once you experience this back to God, God says that you and I are now ministers of reconciliation. Once you experience the wholeness that God wants to do in your life through your relationship with Jesus Christ, then he has given you and I the ministry to go out to a broken and fallen world. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but man, we're in bad shape. Christians, you have the authority and you have been given the responsibility to go out there and reconcile others to Christ. That's what my Bible says, to be ministers of reconciliation. Verse 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now this next part, man, just hold on to your seats. This ought to just make you jump up and flip. This next part, okay? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. That's good news. Woo, yeah. 
God looked down on fallen men, and he had a plan, and his name was Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that God was reconciling us to him while Jesus stayed on the cross as his blood was shed. And as he took his last breath, God says, I'm fixing you broken people back to myself through my son, Jesus Christ, so that your sins will not be counted against you. Man, that's good news. That's good news, church. I don't know what your view of God is this morning, but if you think that God is this God who's sitting high in the sky, he's got a pad out. I saw that. <laughs> saw that. I got that one too. Ooh, yeah. And if you think that God is doing all this list up there, and he's sitting up there and he's like, to get here, got something for you. That's not the God I'm talking about. My Bible says that God reconciled us while Jesus was dying on the cross so that he didn't count men's sins against them. And that's good news this morning, church. He goes on to say in here that we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Imagine that. Christ ambassadors as though God was making an appeal to the world through me and you. Check this out. What if we had to wear a shirt every day that said, Christ ambassador? You know, all those stickers you see on the cars and windows. What if it said, Christ ambassador across it? How would that look? You're out here in the traffic. I'm not really blowing the horn at you. I'm Christ ambassador. I wanted to tell you about Jesus. Move, right? When you're down at Walmart and all the tourists come in, aggravated. Not really mad. I'm Christ's ambassador, and I just wanted to tell you about Jesus, right? Come on. God has given us that responsibility. We are Christ's ambassadors, and we're as if we're out to tell the world, not as if we are given that responsibility to go and tell the world, to be that ambassador for Jesus Christ, to make an appeal to the world. God uses us And the Bible says, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be the sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's huge. That's huge when you begin to think what Jesus went through. How he was mocked, how he was beat how he was whipped, how he was sped up on, and everything that he went through, God did that to him my place so that I could be a righteous person. Because see, on my own, man, I'm nobody. I can't do enough for good things. I, don't, I can't do enough deeds, and neither can you. You can't do enough to earn what God wants you to have because it's a gift and that gift came through the cross right here the Bible says yeah the Bible says in John chapter 3 and the verse 16 that for God so loved the world and that's you and I today that he gave his one and only son his one and only son so that you and I if we just accept him have this eternal life, the gift that God wants. You want to know God? You want to have eternal life of God? This is the way. 
It's not any way out. It's not your goodness. You know, I used to work with a lady back in the textile plant. And she, um, she was close to retirement age. And we used to talk about the Lord. And, and she would tell me, she says, you know, well, I'm good. I'm good. And I said, well, have, tell me about your relation. When you met Jesus, this is what she told me. I've always, I've always been God. She didn't say, I've always been God. And I think for a minute. And I said, wait, explain that to me. Well, I've always been his before I was born. I got news for you today, man. If you bought into that, you're in trouble. You can't get to God unless you come through Jesus. There is no other way. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you can be saved. For it's with the mouth that we confess, and it is the heart that, that justifies that when we believe, when we truly believe that that's the way, then you and I can be saved. The Apostle John wrote this in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, Jesus said this, I am the way. Jesus said that I am the way to the Father. It's not anything else. It's not any of your deeds. It's not any of your material possessions. It's not any of your good, nothing. Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. There is no other way to the Father but through the Son. Jesus says, I'm the way. And I'm the truth. And the truth is, if you want a relationship with my dad, you got to come through me. And if you're living anything other than the truth, then you're living a lie. This is the way. It's the only way. Can I get that plain enough? That this, there's no other way. There's no other way. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. You might think you're living, but there's something always missing. There's just something inside. There's a void that you just can't, can't quite grasp what it is. I, I want to be close to God. And I, I, there's just something missing. Maybe today it's His Son. Because you can never have that relationship without this one here and when God God sent his son to the world he did it and this is what happened God came back and through his son Jesus Christ he filled the gap and he brought man back into a relationship with a holy God that's good news today church that's good news so don't be deceived today there's one way Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man, no man, no man, no woman, no boy, no boy comes to the Father. But through me, there's no other way. This is the way. You know, I uh, was preaching a revival service up in Randall in North Carolina several years ago. And I remember preaching uh, the story of Mephibosheth. And he was one of Saul's crippled kids that happened when Saul was... Uh, killed in the battle and, and the, it, the word got back to the kingdom and, and one of the nursemaids grabbed up his son and they were running they fell and broke his feet and the Bible said he was crippled the rest of his life and he crawled around and David came through 20 years later he said is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show favor to that I can give grace to because I promised Jonathan I would take care of the people of the house of Saul and he found this guy living in the backside of the desert called Lodibar. That means backside of the desert. He was probably scared to death back there because he just didn't know what was going to happen. Normally when a kingdom fell, the family and everybody was usually killed right there on the spot. And here was Mephibosheth living on the backside of the desert. 
David says, go get him. I wonder what he thought back there kind of hiding. And he brought him to, the, to, the, to David and to the kingdom there. And, and David says, I promised that I would show favor to the house of Saul. And from that point on, Mephibosheth, he sat at the king's table. He ate the king's food. And he got something that he didn't deserve. And God has given me something. And he wants to give you something that you don't deserve. I was preaching that morning this message in Randleman, North Carolina. I gave an altar call that morning. And I saw from the back a little 78-year-old lady come walking up the aisle with her cane. And I was younger then. And I thought, surely, surely she knows Jesus. Surely she's, she's 78 years old. And I was there, and I was just looking. I, I didn't know what to do. And she does like this to me. And I thought, okay, you know, tell me, what's going on this morning? She says, my mother was the godliest person you will ever meet. She was just godly. And for 78 years, I've been riding her coattail. Preacher, this morning, you made the comment that I can't get to heaven on the coattail of my mama. She said, God spoke to me so big and 78 years old. She says, I understand today the way is not on mama's coattail. It's not on who my daddy was or their goodness of my grandpa's preacher. That's not it. She says, this morning I realize that if I'm going to heaven, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Listen, you might be here this morning and, and I don't know where you came from. don't know what you've been taught. But I want to tell you the truth this morning. You will not have a relationship with God without His Son, Jesus Christ. It is impossible. It's impossible. You may be here this morning and, and you say, you know, I've, I've kind of bought into that lie. So what what I do here? Well, this is where you go from here. You would say a prayer something like this. You just look to heaven and you would say, God, man, I've missed it. I've missed the mark. But today I feel, I feel your presence. I feel you speaking to me, and I know today that I need that relationship with your son, Jesus, before I ever get to you. I know that today. So, Lord, today I confess that I'm a sinner, and I've missed it. Lord, today I, can, I believe that, that your son, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins. I believe his, his blood was shed for me. I believe he was buried in a tomb, and three days later he arose. And I believe he's coming back again. And today, Lord, I just want to be where you want me to be. I want to be in that relationship with you. And I understand today my relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other way. So I'm going to pray this morning. And, and in my prayer, I'm going to pray for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then today's a great day for you to meet him. Because when you know him, you'll know the Father. You'll know God. You'll begin that relationship through Jesus. And so as I pray, I want you to search your heart. The Bible uses this phrase sometimes, examine yourself, man. Check it out. Where are you at today? Where are you at today when it comes to this? Do you have a relationship with God, and is it based on His Son, Jesus Christ? Because if it's not, you don't have a relationship with God. Okay? It's got to be there. So I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask you that, that if you uh, uh, pray that today, you accept Jesus there's going to be a time in just a few moments that if that's you today, then I want you to boldly step out from where you are. There's going to be some people at the front here, and i got some little crosses for you. It's just a tangible gift for you to carry around just so you remember this is the way. This is the way. 
this is the way. There's no other way than that. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Would you stand? The band's going to come out in a minute, and we're going to sing. And, and when I say amen after this prayer, if God's speaking to you, then I want you to step out from where you are, make your way to the front, just take a cross, and go back to your seat. That's all I'm asking you to do this morning. When I say amen, then you move. Let's pray this morning. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we come today, Lord. I want to say that we love you. God, today I just pray in this room, if there's one or two or five or twelve, Lord, whatever, that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray today that they today that they understand that the way to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. I pray today that, God, if your Holy Spirit is moving in them at this point, that, God, when I say amen in a moment, when this band starts to sing, that, Lord, you will give them the boldness to take that step of faith, to come forward publicly and declare that Jesus is the way. So, God, I pray these things today in your precious and holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen.